Tonight we are concluding our series through Epiphany. Um, there are seven signs in the book of John uh, that Jesus displays to kind of reveal a different aspect of who God is. Um, we, uh, one week combined two signs into one, and uh, I made the decision this last week when we decided to combine Ash Wednesday and Fat Tuesday that we're going to skip over one of the signs. So this is the last one. We skipped one. If you've been paying attention, I apologize for that. But uh, this story that we're looking at tonight is a very famous story about Jesus and one of his friends um, who dies, and uh, Jesus isn't cool with that and does something about it. Um, it's not going to be a long talk tonight. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I've been real sick uh, the past week, the past month, uh, like many of us. Uh, I have not slept for, <laughs> I slept somewhere between two and four hours a night. I just realized uh, sometime today when I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't think. Um, it's been like two to four hours for a week that I haven't slept. So uh, I've got some brain fog. I've got a lot of things going on, but I'm here. We're all here. We're going to do our best. Um, and the, the thing that I hope that you hear in the story that we're going to look at tonight is that uh, sometimes what can feel like death and seasons of loss and letting go, um, those are necessary for us to go through to, to know God in new and profound ways. So I'm going to read through this story, and we're just going to kind of stop as things come up and then talk about it afterwards. This is from John chapter 11. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. They said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you, and you're going back? Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, he may very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. He said these things and then announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him. The disciples said, this is exactly what I would say in this scenario, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. <laughs> Jesus was talking about death. His disciples thought he was talking about napping. Whoops. Then Jesus became explicit. Guys, Lazarus died, Okay. And I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. That's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, come along, we might as well die with him. Now this is, um, that little line, this is one of like three things that we get from the disciple named Thomas that we all know as Doubting Thomas. And uh, it bothers me so much that that's the thing that he's known for because this is such a beautiful image of him being just like courageous and loyal and like diehard. Like he's basically, Jesus's followers have said like, hey, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to they're gonna kill you. And Jesus is like, yeah, let's go. And Thomas is like, okay, well, we're not going to let him die alone. So let's go with him. Let's keep going. 
When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Um, now, I'm not trying to make light of this story at all, but the first thing that popped in my mind when I read this this week was this guy got to, uh, this guy got 96 hours of uninterrupted rest. And that has just felt so unfair to me <laughs> this week. Um, I can't imagine if that would feel just like the most glorious thing ever or if it would feel terrible. But um, aside, Bethany, the town, was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away. So many of the Jews who were visiting um, Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask, God, he will give you. And Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. And Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. Uh, again, I, I feel like this is a very, like, all of the characters in this episode feel very relatable to me. Martha is like, where were you? We sent word for you days ago. If you'd just been here, you could have stopped this from happening. Where the hell were you, Jesus? And then kind of throws in this like, but I know that you can still fix this thing if you want to. Do you want to? And Jesus says, he'll be raised up. And she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know at the end of time, that's great. That's not really like helpful for me. And Jesus goes on and says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, master. All along, I've believed that you are the Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was, waiting, and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing, and the Jews with, it, with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. And he said, Where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. That word for wept there is not like a tear rolled down his cheek. This is like full on weeping. This is a, a, a one commentator described it as a tsunami of emotion. This is now the second sister saying, why weren't you here? And Jesus doesn't give any explanation. He just is fully present with her in the pain that she's feeling. He's not removed from the heartbreak. He doesn't promise her that everything's gonna be okay. He, he's fully present with how soul crushing this is for Mary and Martha and all of those gathered. And he's angry. I think that's one thing that really stood out to me this week is like Jesus is so angry at how crushed we are by death even though he knows what he's about to do. He feels what we feel in those moments. And to me, it just feels so appropriate that both sisters are like, where were you, man? 
you could have stopped this. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. This man who had died, wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Which sounds really ominous. I'm not sure why they worded it that way. But it's supposed to be a happy ending. It's not like, let him loose. <clears throat> but that is where the story ends. And there's a lot of different things that we could talk about in this story. Uh, but for our purposes tonight, uh, I wanted to quickly touch on something that really stood out to me. Um, it's this little detail at the beginning of the story, but it's like what the whole story hinges on. We're told that Jesus deeply loved these siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And somehow that love led him to remain absent from them when they told him that they needed him. He delays, which is confusing to them. And it's confusing to us. The entire idea of that makes me uncomfortable. And, and it leads to a lot of hard questions. Even harder questions if that's where the story ended. But what we find in this particular story is that his absence was necessary for them to see God's glory in a new and profound way. And he loved them enough that he wasn't going to rob them of that experience. I don't know that I could do that. But I wonder how often that's true for us when we feel God's absence and when we suffer. Jesus seems so slow in coming to Lazarus, right? It, it, it seems like he showed up way too late. But as we see in the story, it's, it's never too late. Even when everyone is convinced that all is lost, Jesus shows that there is no loss and no tragedy. There's nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth that can place us beyond the reach of his infinite love and abundant life. He, as he says, is the resurrection and life. He has conquered death. But if we're honest, a lot of time it doesn't feel like death's been defeated. You don't need me to tell you that. A lot of the time, like Mary and Martha, we cry out in pain and ask these agonizing questions. Where were you? Where are you? You could have done something to 
to prevent this. You could do something to fix this now. We cry out about our jobs, um, our illnesses, our sicknesses, our finances, our children, people we've loved and lost, our communities in pain. We cry out about famine and, and hate and war. Where are you? Can't you do something about this? And even as we cry out in anguish, we, we live and wait in hope. We want and hope that God will act in, in God's good time and that death will not have the final word and that the day of resurrection will come. And I think in this story, um, even though we know how it's going to end, if we put ourselves in the story, I think one of the most hope-inducing moments is when Martha's already says that she believes <laughs> that Jesus can bring her, her brother back from the dead. She already believes um, that he is the son of God. And yet, uh, when Jesus tells her, like, your brother will come back to life, when Jesus goes to remove the stone, she's like, don't do it. It's going to smell terrible because he's been dead for four days. Like, what are you guys doing? And Jesus turns and looks to her and says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? It's like this moment where he's saying to her, it was necessary for you to go through this to see this amazing thing that is about to happen. What can feel like death and loss and letting go was necessary for you to go through to see God's glory in a new and profound way. I hope that word can be uh, hope for us in, in the um, in the suffering that is present around this room tonight. The suffering that is going on in your lives that maybe no one knows about. <clears throat> the suffering that has been going on in our community for the past at least six months. What can feel like death and loss and letting go is necessary for us to go through to, to see God's glory in new and profound ways. And on some level, I mean, that's, that's, that is enough to take home. And I hope that that is what you remember from tonight. But this is also the same hope that we have behind the season that we're entering into, the season of Lent. Lent is a season of the church calendar that starts next Wednesday. Um, and we'll talk about it more next week. Um, but because we meet on Tuesday nights, it can kind of sneak up on us. And so I try to talk about it at least a week ahead of time to give everyone some time to be thinking about it. Um, <clears throat> Lent is a period of letting go in hopes of fostering a closeness with God. Um, it is a season of loss and letting go that leads to life. Lazarus had four days in the tomb and we spend 40 days pursuing resurrection and life. Lent can be a necessary season of rest for our souls. And that is what we're going to be focusing on together um, 
throughout the season of Lent, rest for our souls and what kind of prevents us from actually resting. Uh, but before next week, I want you to think about what, what, what are the things that make you feel alive? What makes you feel rejuvenated? What makes you feel um, just acutely aware of the presence of God? What gives you rest? I think this is what you're, you and we are invited to pursue in the season leading up to Easter that we're starting next week. Resurrection and life. Rest for our souls. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for stories that offer um, handles, handles of hope in, in scenarios that are full of anguish. Thank you for stories where people ask earnestly, where were you? Why didn't you show up? These stories help, at least help me feel more seen and <laughs> normal, I guess. But God, thank you for reminders that um, you are constantly drawing us deeper and closer to you. And that loss and letting go and even... Um, what can feel like death can be necessary means for us seeing a new and profound depth of your glory. God, I pray that you would meet each of us in our suffering to give us hope and remind us that you are still present with us. And God, I pray that we as a community can enter into the next season finding rest, finding resurrection in life. We love you. Amen.